Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. about this journey that everyone's on, this journey in life, first of all, with every human being on this planet, uh, but specifically what we're talking about is a journey to spiritual maturity. Uh, there's something about church, man. There's something about what church has become, I think, that's really easy uh, that, to just kind of become consumeristic, and we feel like we're going to come, and what church is, is, is ingesting information. Uh, what church is, is like, no, you become a Christian, then you come to church, and you try to be good, kind of boring going to church, so you're hoping there's going to be a really exciting message or some really great singing or something like that. And there seems to be um, something about us as people um, that we forget that the work that God is trying to do in us does glorify Him, okay? It's not enough to be saved. It's not enough to have your sins washed away, okay? There's a purpose for that, I think, you know, and again, it's uh, you're taking notes or watching on Facebook Live or something like that, you know, say some things that are just absolutely goofy to your ears, okay? And uh, I would just encourage all of us to be studying these things out because I think what can end up happening in churches is we focus so much on I'm saved, right? We focus so much on that that we forget that the purpose of salvation isn't just so we can have it, all right? Is that our bodies had to be cleansed completely clean in order for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. That was the purpose of having our sins washed away, okay? So far too many times we just rely on this idea of, hey, I've had this spiritual conversion experience and now everything's good, okay? And that's never, ever like played out in God's word. That would be so foreign to any of the Bible writers, okay? And so that's our challenge, right? Our challenge is to go, hold on a minute, let me get on board with what God is trying to do. And why the Holy Spirit is so vital is because there's only one vehicle that God uses to truly change us from the inside out, and it is the Holy Spirit. It is His Holy Spirit, right? Is is we're being changed on the inside in ways that are unexplainable. So if you've been sitting in church for very long, there there should be some things that have changed in you. There should be opinions that you've held that haven't changed, beliefs that you've held that have been changed. All right, stances that you've taken that have been changed, not because you've decided it, but because the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. Okay. And so, when we look at this, if my, my, my run out of batteries, it's kind of fun using this. <laughs> now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, 
This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit, okay? So a lot of Christian words in there, right? Like glory to glory, these great things. But here's the thing, is, is the glory of the Lord is unimaginable to anything we could ever, there's no comparison to the beauty and the power and the majesty that is the glory of the Lord, okay? He's saying, here's what's happening. The Holy Spirit inside of his believers are transforming us to be like that image, all right? So staying the same is not an okay thing. In fact, staying the same is, is completely the opposite of what Christianity and Jesus had in mind, right? Is that people would see that God is real by the way his followers are changed over time. That we should be reflecting the absolute image of Jesus more and more and more. Not just People who sit in a church and consume and know right information, but we're buying into this wholeheartedly is this idea of, of we're on a journey to spiritual maturity. Okay. All right. This is Oh, here we go. My trusty partner over here. So here's the interesting thing about this. We've been talking over this year of these things that some people call spiritual disciplines, okay, that are absolutely important, okay? It's not okay just to take the teachings of Jesus and go, okay, we're going to believe his teachings. Is Here's what, what the challenge for me and you is. We have to be, have a lifestyle like Jesus had. We have to live our lives the way Jesus did. If, we live our, if we're trying to live our lives our own way, but we want the fruit of Jesus, the two just can't happen, okay? And so what we find in Jesus' life that oftentimes gets overlooked is his times that he that he takes himself away from groups and noise, that he engages in silence and solitude, fasting and prayer, study and meditation, right? We see this in his apostles. We see this in these guys. And unfortunately, I think we live in a world where it's kind of like silence is um, scary, we don't like to be alone with our own thoughts and feelings. We don't like to have to wrestle with things. We want things to come easily and comfortably and conveniently to us, except Jesus' life was very different. He knew how to be among people and be a servant and be at peace, but he also knew there's a time I need to get away from people. All right. And so we've been talking about practicing these things and we'll continue to learn and, and, uh, and practice these things more and more. So here's the interesting thing. These spiritual disciplines aren't meant to, we do them in order to become righteous, okay? It's the disciplines don't make us righteous, rather they make us available. That's what we're trying to do. Can I become available to the Holy Spirit? Can I become available to hearing? Can I become available? Because more than ever, okay, is every week we could get on the pulpit, the high horse about the noise that we experience in a given week, right? The noise from our world, the noise from our phones, the noise from our gadgets, the noise. Just if we live in a noisy world, that doesn't give us an opportunity oftentimes to hear the voice of Jesus, right? And so when we're talking about practicing these silence and solitude and fasting and prayer, study and meditation, it's not so that if we do them, then we'll be righteous, it's these things are putting us in a place to be available for the Holy Spirit to work inside of us. Okay, it's just really important for us to keep in mind. So turn over in your Bibles to 1 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 1. We are going to be working our way through. There's no surprise as to what we're going to be teaching. 
for the next 15, 16, 17 weeks is 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. We're going to be running right through those things. And again, if you're scared at all, man, is 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy are not the books for you. Okay, they, they talk about tough things. All right, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and he talks about real things. We're going to talk about homosexuality, and we're going to talk about women, and we're going to talk about men, and we're going to talk about politics, and we're going to talk about all kinds of things that real churches go through. Okay? And again, if, the, if, if our standpoint isn't, let's draw out this message that Paul was writing so it can change our hearts, Okay, that's not my heart. If my heart is one of like I'm defensive and what I know is what I know, boy, this section of scripture, this this book, these books, man, we're going to really bump hard on these things, okay? Because Paul was just completely courageous and unashamed that hey, here's the will of God and he's a, and you want to know what here's the crazy thing is 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 Paul and the other apostles, they seem to be perfectly okay with me and you wrestling with things. All right. Again, oftentimes we're kind of like, no, I come here. And so if you're a good teacher or if you're a good preacher, you should convince me immediately. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus spoke in parables. Jesus was like, hey, I'm going to give you something. And listen, if you're disturbed by it, great. Go and wrestle with it. Okay. He was perfectly okay. In fact, that was the culture of the time. I know we want it perfectly. We want it like handed to us. But again, Listen, if we're wanting to be followers of Jesus and we are not willing to wrestle through hard things, we will not make it. Okay? So we're going to read here. Holman Christian Standard Bible. A lot of you guys, if you have phones, you can just switch over to that. But I just say that in case you're reading a different version. But 1 Timothy chapter 1, right here in verse 1. Paul and Paul, Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach different doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have deviated from these and turned aside to fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand what they're saying or what they're insisting on. But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the rebellious, and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, moral, for homosexuals, for kidnappers, liars, whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, based on the glorious gospel of the blessed God which uh, was entrusted to me. So let's stop like right there. Okay. So a couple things. Here's what I can do that I hopefully will be very helpful. All right. Whenever, whenever we read the Bible, all right, there is a principle that we must adhere to. Okay. And here's the principle. Something cannot mean something to us today that it didn't mean to them 
meaning the original hearers. It can't do it. There, there isn't, that's not the proper way to handle anything, okay? It can't mean something different today than it meant to the original hearers then. So here's our job as we kind of dig through. Whenever we're studying the Bible, whenever we're reading it, it's to go, hold on a minute, what did they hear then and there? What was that, right? And so let's kind of take a look at that, okay? Um, so just a few things here. Uh, first of all, we talked last week about who is Timothy, right? Timothy was a young guy. Was he a teenager? No, probably late 20s, early 30s, all right? What's interesting about that, he's, he's actually called like this young guy over and over and over again. And we oftentimes think, well, if you're in your 30s, you're not that young anymore. But actually to them, you really you considered older, like not young until you got into your 40s. Okay, So he was probably in his 30s. It's this guy who we, again, go back to last Sunday's sermon. We did a whole lesson on that. Okay, Incredible young man, right? But here's what's going on, okay? Um, it's that Paul says, man, I urge you. Paul goes to Macedonia. Okay, so let me, let me just kind of do a little geography here. Do you know where Macedonia is? All right, Macedonia, just think of Greece today, okay, is right there. And he says, I'm going to Macedonia. You go to Ephesus, okay? Here's the other thing is, where's that? Okay, and, and again, you're going, man, I'm not trying to just trick you or punk you or anything like that. But here's the thing is when we read the Bible, the Bible's written to real people in real places at real times. And so, again, what I really am a firm stickler to is we connect with things that are familiar with us. So, for instance, if I were to talk about your hometown, you would perk up immediately. If I started talking about a specific place, a stadium, a street, uh, a school or something like that you're aware of, you go, oh, man, I've been there before. Oh, yeah, I get that. Oh, I understand all of those things. This is our task as Bible readers is to get an idea and go, okay, Paul was going to Macedonia. He said, Timothy, I'm going to leave you in Ephesus, which is Turkey today, okay, if you just want to have that idea in your mind. He's going to do that. But it's, there's something really, really, really important for me and you to understand is our understanding of Christianity, the practice of it today, on the whole, on the most, on the most part, is foreign to our brothers in the first century. Okay, Understand something. Paul didn't know Martin Luther. He didn't know John Calvin. He didn't know Billy Graham. He didn't know Joel Osteen. He didn't know Francis Chan. He didn't know John Piper. He didn't know, he didn't know all the... We oftentimes are like, oh, these guys are like, no, 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 like pump the brakes. Okay, he didn't know, he wasn't influenced by any of these guys. All right, he had no idea. And, and the, the challenge for us is to understand that we truly, our, our group is truly colonized by the world. To think that we haven't been is naive. To think that the world's views haven't come into the church is absolutely naive. And so it what's really important is for us, and the question me and us is to hearing the correction to that. Because we're going to be corrected by Paul. Okay, we're going to be corrected by him. But understand something. If Paul were to come amongst us today, he would see maybe some good things. But Christianity as a whole... As we look at the Bible, he would go, hold on a minute, what are y'all doing? Like, what's going on here, man? It's like, you know, it's like a club. It's become kind of a club. Okay, these guys were, here, here's what was 
interesting, right, is um, that there was this stuff going on. Like, so picture this. In the church in Ephesus, there was this relational strife. There were people fighting with one another. They were disunified with one another. You know, why? Because, of, because there was false teaching. There were people in the congregation that were teaching a false doctrine. And so it was resulting in all of this kind of like strife and disunity and all these things. Influential people were devoting themselves to worthless practices. So when we read like myths and genealogies, right, that's, that's interesting. It's hard to put our finger on like most people that really study this out. There's probably a combination of some things going on in the church. And it was probably a combination of some Jewish false teaching, some Greek false teaching and some Gnostic teaching. There's probably a mixture of all these things. It's interesting to keep in mind in Ephesus. Ephesus was the center. The temple of Artemis was in Ephesus. All right, this is where some crazy worship went on. Okay, and so there was this relational strife. There are people devoting themselves to worthless practices. They said like myths and genealogies, things that didn't matter. Okay, does that ever happen in Christianity? Do we ever do that? Like we devote ourselves to things and what the outcome is, is just, you know, strife and disunity and fighting and all of these things. Okay. He said there are people who want to be teachers, but they're ignorant and uninformed. All right. And, and again, just keeping this in mind is I think it's really important for us to go, hold on a minute. It's really important that we're aware of what to teach. Right? I think that it's really easy to just kind of like have a ton of opinions about things without really being able to dig out what the Bible is teaching, okay? Um, what was happening in Ephesus here that he was, as he was writing to Timothy was the work of God was suffering. The, the work of God was suffering because of this. There were people who were teaching false doctrine. There were people who were devoted to myths and genealogies that were just creating strife and disunity. And here's what was happening is that not only was there fighting, but the work of God was being hindered. Okay, And so, so I want you to think about this. And I want you to think in your mind what, what your view of the work of God is. I want you to just get it right in your mind. Okay, It's very simple. The, wor the work of God is that all people, all people will come to repentance in Jesus Christ. And he didn't send preachers down to do that. Okay. Right? He has enlisted his whole church to be that. Every single person to be that. He's saying, hey, in Ephesus, here's what's happening is the church, again, the church isn't adding people who are just coming from another church. The church isn't adding people who are angry at another church. The church, it's not, that's not the point. He's saying, it's, what's hindering here is you're not making disciples. Like God's plan is to use his church to spread the gospel, not just to spread it, but to live it, to be an example of and he's saying all of these genealogies and myths, all the things you're devoted to that don't matter to anything, the work of God is being hindered. Right, and again, just let it sink in. Right? I pray that we never go, like just examining our own lives, I think it's just become kind of like very normal that people will be Christians for some time and have never been 
in a situation to help someone else become a disciple of Jesus. What I'm not saying is, hey, let me tell you this thing, and then you go say a prayer. That's not making a disciple. Jesus never did it. He doesn't tell the church to do it. But he's saying, hey, I want my people to be, I, I don't want the world colonizing my church. I want my church colonizing the world. I want my people to go out into the world and bring this incredible message and this incredible good news of not just like, hey, you're saved from your sins, but now you can see, now you can walk, now you can help others. Now you couldn't do what you could, you can do what you couldn't do before. Something miraculous is going to happen and the world is going to be the recipient of it, right? And so these are the things that are going on, right? There was standing of the law. You ever been in a conversation with somebody about the law? Right? And, and we all have our own opinion. It's crazy. Oh, no, the law is gone. The law is this. The law, you know. And very rarely have I ever had somebody go, Keith, here's my understanding of the law based on Scripture. Paul says the law is good. Isn't that interesting? You know, what on earth? If Paul came down here to preach we would maybe be like, not all about that. Like, what, what are you talking about, Paul? Turn over to Galatians chapter 3, okay? Is this, a, this is a super simple one. I'm going to just kind of lay it there in front of you. Uh, and, and here's, this is really, really great scripture right here that will help us out, okay? Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Um, uh, actually, let's go to verse 23. Before this, before faith came, confined under law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed, the law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for all, uh, uh, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, That word guardian actually means like schoolmaster, like somebody that's walked along has been a teacher to us. He says that's what the law, the law, what the law was meant to do was to bring people to Jesus, to be prepared to meet him. It was, the law was meant to be frustrating and exasperating, but it was meant to show us that we need Jesus. So we understand why Paul said that. He goes, actually, if you use the law well, the law is good, right? The law is meant for these things, okay? And so there's this poor understanding of the law. And then, and here's the other thing that we're, that we're reading here in 1 Timothy is, is Paul isn't writing to Timothy and making a suggestion. He's making, he's giving a command. All right. So I want you to really think about how comfortable are you being commanded? Because Paul is commanding Timothy. And he's saying, Timothy, do this. Don't try to do this. Don't think about doing this. Go in there and stop this teaching. Stop the devotion to myths and genealogies, okay? Go and do that. And and Timothy was going to go in and command that to be stopped. Right? Okay. These guys are so out of touch with Christianity, right? They could never build a church today. They would never have a they, Listen, they could never make it in our world. Okay? I mean, their church, people would be like, those are the lunatics down there. Timothy getting up and commanding people. Like, who does he think he is? <laughs> True. 
Sadly enough, it would be that, okay? And so, again, here's what's so great about this is there's a challenge laid right down in front of us right here, all right? And that challenge is, is am I going to try to interact and, take, and, 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 and interact with Christianity in a way that I just want to be told everything that makes me feel okay about myself, and I don't want anybody to be in leadership or authority, and I don't want, like, just don't command me because I feel judged, and I feel like that hurts my feelings, and these things, okay? If that's what it is, man, I just got to tell us, we've, our resilience level has to rise if we're going to follow Jesus. Like, we've got to toughen up just a little bit, okay? And, and I don't mean like, oh, bullying people and all that kind of stuff. I mean tough enough to take a challenge. Tough enough to take some, take a punch to the jaw and go, okay, man, let me gather myself and, and let me figure this out. And I'm going to be courageously following Jesus based on what he said, not on, you know, I don't know how you, I'll tell you a secret about church leaders and ministers and all that kind of stuff. It's. Guys, there's a very fine line. I know, you know, there, there's some people you get raised in church and you think, man, if I hear from the pulpit, it has to be true. Because why would a guy who's a minister, why would he say something that wasn't true? Okay, except that's what happened in the first century. Okay, I mean, people do these things. If your allegiance is to a preacher or your allegiance is to your Sunday school teacher, or your allegiance is to some minister somewhere, you're cooked. Okay. Don't hang on to that. But, but man, my, my youth minister in high school, he said he, that, that this was just about being said. No, no, no. Hey, listen, I don't care who said what when. All right? If it's in the Bible, we wrestle with it and follow Jesus. Okay? If it's scary, that's okay. It's been scary for a lot of people for a long time. All right? And it's been scary for these guys. All right? It wasn't safe to become a Christian in the first century. All right? It wasn't about just coming together and having a singing devo and doing whatever and singing kumbaya all the time, man. It was like, you're going to go to jail. You could be killed. You could be run off. You could lose your family. You could lose your job. Okay? So that's why this is serious. Okay? So, uh, so here's the thing. This we're going to kind of like sit in for a few minutes. Then we're going to move on because here's the thing. We're going to take bite-sized pieces out of 1 Timothy. All right, we're just not going to slather it all on at one time. And, and again, it's a word, oh boy, we don't like it. It says, man, teach them not to teach false doctrine. All right, go ahead, do that. Teach them not to teach false doctrine. All right, we hate the word doctrine. You hate the word doctrine. Your friends hate the word doctrine. You go to churches and say, we'll never say that word. We'll never say doctrine. Doctrine is bad. If you go to a church that talks about doctrine, the church is bad. I mean, this is like this word. Talk about a word that's been canceled. That's this word right here is doctrine. All right? But then there's another side of it. Okay? The, the, other, the other half of people are going, well, no, my doctrine's right. All right? Half of the people don't want to say it. The other half are going, I'm right. Okay, so it's all good. What do we think about doctrine? Man, it's stuffy. It's for intellectuals. Man, it's judgmental, right? It just creates fighting. That's why we don't want it. We just want to come in and, and be servants and love Jesus and have a great like time together. We don't want to be like fighting with each other and all of these things. Do we think that's doctrine? We think it's denominational dogma. Some of you may have come to this church because you went on our website. And you go, I want to go to the what we believe section. And every church has one. What we believe. I'm going to choose my church 
And I'm going to make sure they're Christians based on, oh, man, do I agree with that? Do I agree with that? And Holy Spirit, uh, baptism, uh, trinity, predestination, tongue speaking, fall away, you know, and all of these things. And we think that that's doctrine. And then we go back to our denominational churches and we hear preachers like railing on all of this craziness. All right, what if I were to tell you that's not what he's talking about? Now, I'm not going to, listen, here's the deal. I'm not going to try to get, uh, that's not the war we need to fight, okay? Doctrine is not for intellectuals, all right? Doctrine is not a bunch of words. It's not an adherence to a system. So so I grew up growing up in a tradition, a Catholic tradition. My wife grew up in a Southern Baptist church, all right? And each one of those has a, like, what we believe, okay? And, and they don't agree with each other, surprisingly enough, Okay? But what's interesting is, is, is this is where all the battles are fought. And so, specifically, this generation says, we want to get rid of doctrine. We don't want to talk about doctrine anymore. Instead of not talking about it, why don't we talk about what it really is? Wouldn't that be better? Instead of deciding that we're just not going to talk about something, let's talk about what it really is. So I'm not sure what the next slide is. But okay, hey, listen. Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Greek 101, all right? That's what that word means. It's not, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. Go ahead and hit All right? Boom. You don't need to be a Greek scholar. You don't need to know words like soteriology, eschatology, Trinitarianism. I, I mean, I went to school and I can't even pronounce half of these things. Right? You got, man, what are you? Are you a antinomian or a lapsoplanarian? And you know, I'm like, I'm like, who who says who talks like this? <laughs> okay. It's like we come come up with these things. What are you? Are you for? Yeah. And and here's the very simple thing. Can me and you agree on this? When he says don't let someone teach false doctrine, you know what he's saying? He's saying what's being taught is not the same as what Jesus taught. And, and again, all of us good Christians say, oh, that's great, because all I do is follow Jesus' teachings. I mean, if we go to church, naturally, that's what we do. Right? Not so much. Okay? Very, very simple. He says, I command you, keep people, stop people. There's no more. I'm urging you to do this. Stop them from teaching a false doctrine, okay? Now, again, there's a number of us in here, all right? Anytime doctrine's been brought up, okay, what we've thought is, oh, okay, he's going to talk about baptism. You know, he, he's going to talk about what a predestination, okay? It, it may be really tough because some of y'all have been Christians for a long time. I'm going to just kind of like sweep that old definition out of your brain, okay? We've done that far too long. We have we have to, we have brought everything down to these simple like little things, and so what we do is, is we want to know what you believe in, and then I'll accept you as a brother. Say, so, oh man, Ben believes in in baptism and the Holy Spirit, and all these we, we together. No, because see, doctrine is not a set of beliefs. Doctrine is about how we live. That's what doctrine's about. Okay, so. In the Bible, doctrine entails behaviors more than beliefs. You buy that one? 
Although it's a lot easier to define yourself by a list of beliefs than by a set of Christ-like behaviors, viewing doctrine as points of theology that prove our group to be right or others and others wrong is not in line with biblical teaching. All right? I, we got to buy, this is for real stuff, okay? Is is It's not just a group of things. Say, he, what's the Clemson Foothills Church about, okay? If what we, like, begin spewing out is the company line on what our view of salvation is and what our view of our, our view of, of, of church and our view of all these things, man, we've missed it, right? Doctrine should be about how do we live our lives. Is that what we're teaching, okay? Because here's what can happen, and this is kind of normal, is people go to church, and they're like, oh, man, you know, we've all been saved in some way, shape, or form. You said a prayer. You've walked the aisle. You've been, whatever, okay? Except our churches today in Clemson are packed full of people that are still nursing hangovers, okay? That are still getting over hookups, all right? That are as addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography as any other group not going to church, Okay, and it's crazy is, is I rarely ever see anybody get upset in a church and go, hold on, we're teaching Paul's doctrine because we got folks sitting in here that think it's okay to get all drunk one night and come to church the next day. That's Paul's doctrine. All right. You have friends that you're like, oh, no, it's cool. Go ahead and live like this. I don't want to be judgmental. Fine. Don't be. But you're teaching a false doctrine. Okay. Let's be very clear about that, okay? Is we have to be we have to get real about this idea that what people people claiming to be Christian have no difference in lifestyle issues. All right? Pornography, sexually transmitted diseases, everything. It's the same as people who say they're not Christians, okay? That is a false doctrine. It should not be that way. There's no part about that. There is no part of that. All we are is a group of good people that are coming in to about ourselves what this is about that's why paul this letter to timothy is so powerful because it isn't just about having a good time together it's about having a holy living a holy life in christ together and we need each other for that okay and if you're thinking holy is boring then you're nuts you're crazy right but holy is set apart and different and and listen the, the flavor of the Clemson Foothills Church should look nothing like what's going on in our world in Clemson. It should be so distinct. In fact, that's what a city on a hill means. It's different. You see it because it's different. All right? Not because it's like, hey, we can go there and we can still kind of live our own life. We should be challenging the tar out of each other to live holy lives. All right? Or we can kind of fall into just this idea of being okay with false doctrine. Let's look at this, okay? Now, here's the thing. Put your seatbelt on and just sit still for a minute here, okay? Paul writes this. He says, we know the law is meant for a righteous person, okay? Y'all who came in here, no Christian sped on the way here. I know that, okay? You, you followed the 25-mile-an-hour marker out there, right? But the thing about it is the speed limit wasn't meant for people that don't go faster than the speed limit. All right, you don't get an award for following the law. Okay, you don't go. There's a police isn't gonna stop you and go. You're going 24. That's awesome. All right, no, the law wasn't meant for you. Okay, the law wasn't meant for you. It's for the guy doing 50 through the school zone. It was for the. That's who the our laws are for. 
okay? And he's saying, hey, we know the law isn't meant for the righteous, but for the lawless and the rebellious, for the ungodly and the sinful, the irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, murderers, sexually immoral, homosexual, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. When Paul's writing this, he's like, this is doctrine. Now let me just, let, let's pump the brakes for one second, okay? Doctrine is never meant to be used as a weapon. It's not meant to be used combatively. It's not meant to be used hatefully, all right? Because remember what Paul wrote, he says, the goal of what we do is love. The goal of what the false teachers are doing is strife and contentiousness and arguments and all of these things, okay? But remember that, okay? So even as we talk about sound doctrine and lifestyle, okay, if you hear something that makes you think that we can be superior or hateful or hurtful or self-righteous or anything like that, you have missed this mark so far, all right? Because here's the deal is, is everyone up there from the lawless and rebellious to the perjurers, Jesus interacted with, loved, spread the gospel, okay, is we have our... We have our, our, you know, example in Jesus here. But you're like, well, how can that be doctrine? Well, he says, here's the thing. How is rebellion sound doctrine? Well, the teachings of Jesus are the opposite of being rebellious. <laughs> He's actually saying, no, come and follow me. Come under my authority. Come, come and do So if you're rebellious... And, and, and here's the interesting thing, I, how, you know, I mean, there's a few of those up there we can like, we kind of like zero in on, but I wonder when the last time uh, we've had conversations in our small group, or you've had conversations with one with a brother, say, you're just playing rebellious. That isn't the teaching of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus are not about rebellion. The teachings of Jesus are not about being ungodly and sinful or unholy and ir is he talks about murder. He says those that kill their fathers and their mothers. He says clearly Jesus is like, no, you got to understand something. Sound doctrine doesn't allow for murder, okay? Sexual immorality, which is plain old adultery. Okay, so here's the definition. If you want, like, the real, honest to God, like, definition of, this, of God's sexual ethic, it's sex between a man and a woman in marriage. That's it. It's as simple as I guess. There's no Greek you can do to get around that. There's no twisting of anything. It's actually that simple. And so he's saying, here's the thing. Jesus didn't teach that it was okay to be sexually immoral. All right? And if you're engaged in sexual morality, either physically or pornography, or you're, you're having sex outside of marriage or something like that, understand something. If you're buying into that and you're living in that, okay, is you are living out a false teaching. All right, and hopefully brothers and sisters that are involved are saying, no, stop it. This is what Jesus teaches. He's like, hold on a minute, we repent, we don't live this way. Okay, he talks about homosexuality right there. I mean, that word is very, very clear. I know that's like a super hot topic, and it's very easy. God, don't even want to talk about it, because people are going to think, hey, I'm like, no. Here's the truth of the matter is, there's a lot of folks, some of you are in here right now, and you struggle with this, 
and you want to know what you wrestle with this, and you have questions about this, and you're not sure, and sometimes you feel really like empowered to live it out, and other times you feel really ashamed, and there's just this wrestling match going on, and the last thing you need is Christians like hollering and yelling at you and not loving you, okay? But also understand something very clearly is that God does teach a sexual ethic. And it's with a man and a woman in, in marriage, not in almost marriage, not in but we really love each other kind of marriage, not in, not in any of those things, okay? There's some of us in here, God may have decided you'll be single for the rest of your life, right? It's not a punishment to say, no, you won't engage in a sexual relationship. That's not a punishment, right, a at all. But our society is so hypersexualized is that we can't imagine in a million years that we would ever touch on this like sensitive subject of sexuality because we feel like that is like the epicenter of like all of my rights. And then we get scared to talk about it when it comes to the Bible, okay? And so the challenge isn't to get on my high horse or you to get on your high horse or to have this some kind of like staunch opinion that you're yelling to everybody. All right. But the challenge is laid before the church right here. It, are we going to be a city on a hill that does open its doors to everyone to allow them to come in and get to know Jesus? All right. Because there isn't a single one of us who are disciples that have, would have walked in the door. You would not have walked in the door of a church if you thought you were going to go in there and everybody's going to like isolate themselves from you and talk about you and all those kind of things. You would have done it. Right, So we have one goal as a church, and that is our doors are open, we love, and we speak the truth because the truth is what brings peace. Sexuality won't bring peace in any form. Right? There's no one surfing pornography that is at peace. All right? No one. There's nobody hiding sexual sin that is at peace. There's no one. There's no one having sex outside of marriage that is at peace. Not a soul. But there's something that the world, that Mike talked about being punked, right? Said, no, but what's great is this emotion and this feeling that you get. That will make everything right. Except it makes everything worse. That's been my experience. Okay, that's been my experience, okay? And so he's saying, man, whatever is just homosexuality, but when was the last time you told a lie? Can we talk about that for a minute? It's amazing to me how many adults just tell stories that are lies. I thought, wait, man, I'm telling you, when my kids were little, I thought we got out of that phase. Then I found out grown people do it. Okay? But here's the deal is Jesus, you want Jesus is very clear about what comes out of our mouth. Is it a lie? Am I lying? Am I lying to my friends? Am I lying to my teachers? Am I cheating in school? Am I doing all these things? Hopefully you have a brother or sister that's going, hey, let me just tell you something. Sound teaching of Jesus is like you got to stop. Right? Jesus is actually saying, let whatever comes out of your mouth, man, if it's a yes or a no, let it be rock solid. Truthful. Right? So, this is pretty interesting. We're dipping our toe in the water here, okay? Because Paul's going to continue to write to Timothy in chapter 2, in chapter 4, in chapter 5, and he's going to keep bringing this up over and over and over again. What's on this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there it is. Boom. What's interesting about that word, the kidnapper? He's, in some of your Bibles, the kidnappers, the actual word is slave traders. Isn't that crazy? 
So it, what some people estimate in Ephesus at the time when he's talking about, hey, man, you can't engage in any of these things. At that time in Ephesus, almost one in four people were slaves, okay? Almost one in four people. And most of them, it wasn't that they were even like indentured servants, like they were giving themselves because they were broke or something. It was that they were actually taken to be slaves. Upwards to 60,000 in the city of Ephesus. All right? And so, again, it's this idea of, hey, listen, church, you know, if, if y'all are about that, stop it. This is not in accordance with sound doctrine and sound teaching. Okay? Let's go to the next. It's not just fair teaching, but it's teaching us. This is sound doctrine. It teaches us how to live. Sound doctrine gives us confidence to live well. Okay, what's that? Oftentimes we use an example, okay? Uh, Timothy, we're going to read this, Paul and Timothy, later. He says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Some of you guys are very familiar with that. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Right? The illustration I've always used in the past has been a wing, like wings on a plane. Which one would you rather go with that? The right one or the left one? Okay, that's not what he's talking about. It's more of like, like a coin. That's life and doctrine. It's two sides of the same coin. All right. If you have one, you can't have. If you don't have one, you can't have the other. It's not either or. It's both. Both of them. It's like two sides of the same life and doctrine. The teachings are going to teach us how to live, and then we have to live it. Right. Those two go hand in hand. So, I love this saying, you know, hey man, I, I love it at times when uh, the guys in the Bible are like, listen, if, if, if you have ears to hear this, for those of you who have ears to hear, okay, um, I know any single time any of us, myself, get up in front of a group, listen, there, you, you've turned it off, you've turned me off 40 minutes ago. Here's what I'm asking, is if you have ears to hear, all right? This is what the Bible is supposed to propel us into. It's not for me to change your mind up here. It's to take the scripture and read it and reread it, contemplating it, meditating, praying in a way that leads us to repentance. All right. This is why church, you know, you don't just are like, wow, that's really great. No, me and you, we've got to take this with us and go, man, I don't know. That guy was kooky, that preacher, man. What was he talking about here? saying all these things I don't even agree with, that's okay. As long as it propels us into us going back, and not just one time, but for hours and days and weeks, reading, contemplation, meditation and prayer, praying that kind of speaks to us, having just learning more and more that brings us to a place of repentance. Because I would suspect that some of us were probably going, I didn't realize there was such an amount of false teaching in my own life. Right? You, you may have an expectation for yourself, and for everyone else, you're like, I just don't want to judge them. Right? Paul would say, man, find those people and tell them to stop doing what they're doing. Right? Is that? And it, that you adhere to a doctrine verbally that you don't live by. This is, we're going to continue to go in deeper. There's not going to be three or four just, hey, if you do these three or four things, life gets better. No, no, no. I truly trust and believe that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will transform us, which will bring unity and 
peace and joy and love. Those things will bring us together and we truly will be will be built by God into a city on a hill. Not just a group of people who are just by our own strength doing Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 